0: Never, ever marks the spot.
1: I am altering the deep. Pray I don't offer it any further.
0: to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that's pretty sure that while forging the rings of power for the one ring, Sauron went to Jared. My name is Drew, I'll be your host for the evening, along with me as always is my brother Peter. Here. <laughs> hey man.
1: <laughs> How's it going?
0: <laughs> that one gets you, huh?
1: <laughs> it's a bit of a groaner, but the more I think it is. of it. It kind of checks out because I remember those old uh, Jared's Jewelers uh, commercials from the 90s where it always had like a guy propose to, uh, you know, his would be fiance or whatever. And the people in those commercials were always showed just as their shadows, like you wouldn't actually see the body. So you'd see the shadow of a guy proposing to his girlfriend and then he slides like a real ring onto the shadow. And. I guess it was just the one ring all along. They were actually oh. invisible. That wasn't shadows. I guess. I guess that's that explains it.
0: <laughs> I thought those were the K. jeweler
1: commercials. I think I'm getting my com- my companies mixed up. I don't you, know. You might be right. I always associated it with uh, with uh, Jared in my head, but this is how Mandela effects start. <laughs> I know. And you know what's funny <laughs> is
0: like as I thought that one up, I'm like, why didn't somebody um make a Lord of the Rings Jared commercial or Jared or K Jewelers or someone make a Lord oh, of the Rings commercial. Like it was right there. It really was.
1: <laughs> um, anyway. Sketch where like you have, uh, you have like, I don't know, like Frodo's just trying to propose to some chick. And then he just has members of the fellowship trying to like join in on it or something. <laughs> Like, the chick says yes, and he's about to put his ring on her, and then you have uh, Gimli barges in, and you have my axe. <laughs> and <then laughs> Legolas b- g- jumps in, and you have my bow, and uh, I don't know, there's... It just writes itself. There's so and many different you, ways to play that. <laughs> have you seen that, um,
0: that video clip that says uh, Lord of the Rings, and then it says, but only the scenes where Legolas talks to Frodo? And... It shows the scene where he goes, you have my bow, and then it rolls credits. That is awesome. Right. <laughs> and, and as I watch that clip, I'm like, is that really the only time he talks to Frodo in the entirety of those movies?
1: <laughs>
0: um, it could be.
1: Um, That's really interesting, but it really shows how Frodo had like a very specific mission to accomplish, but... In a lot of the scenes, he wasn't the main tactician. He wasn't the main fighter. Like, um, he was kind of thrown into that adventure. So it makes sense that a character like Legolas wouldn't necessarily be talking to him as much as like Aragorn or uh, Gimli or Gandalf even and stuff. And uh, that's actually a really funny tidbit that I've never noticed. But now every time (laughs) I watch Lord of the Rings, that's what I'm going to be paying attention to. (laughs) You're like, that's the only line he talks to him. All right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, then you prank on your friends where it's like, hey, you guys want to play the Lord of the Rings drinking game where you have to drink every time Legolas talks to them. <laughs> and then you get get mad at them for drinking when uh, that doesn't happen. Yeah. You're like
0: almost to the end of the three movies and you're like, dude, we haven't had a
1: drink in a while. Um, anyway. <laughs> it would take them that long to realize. <laughs> it It would. It would. <laughs> Um, 10 hours into these extended edition movies and still haven't taken a drink. What the heck? <laughs> yeah, right. Um,
0: at any rate, um, let's jump in, man. Uh, this is actually a really light week for news, and I fear that the news is going to get lighter and lighter as this uh, Hollywood strike goes on. Um, right. So. Um, we do have news to discuss. I just feel like it's light and I'm fearing it's going to get lighter. So we'll see how it goes. But do you want to hop in and see what we got? Yeah, for sure. Are we talking cool. uh watching? Well, well or? yeah, man. What it, What do you want? Like, let's that, that's how we start every show. Cle- yeah. Clearly, we've been doing this for so long. We know what we're doing and we're like off to a great start tonight. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> Well, the way you phrased it, it was like we were just going to jump in the news, and I was like, okay, but it's light. I mean, it sounds like it's going to be a short episode, but no. You know, if this is your first time listening to
0: us, we are,
1: we try to do this way more professionally than
0: we are right now, um, and we usually start the show with, what are we watching? What are we reading? Peter, what do
1: you got for me this week? <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Just as a side note on that, though, there's so many podcasts I listen to that my favorite parts are when they get completely off topic, like when they just... A, a rant about something completely unrelated so uh i don't know maybe maybe that uh weird jared jared bit and stuff was the best part of the episode i know i always
0: like when they get off topic on podcasts podcast i listen to as well so
1: absolutely anyway. um, so i have a really short watching and reading this week i think this week i've been doing a good job of staying busy and outside of like kind of the normal shows i've been watching through for the last so many weeks i haven't really watched much news but i did watch one uh forgotten gem if you will um and that gem is the 1990 or sorry 1983 teen comedy film joysticks (laughs) drew are you familiar with this at all no (laughs) okay so i was i was made aware of this movie uh some years ago, because uh, the, uh, the podcast Tell Him Steve Dave, which is with, like, Walt Flanagan and Brian Johnson from, like, the Kevin Smith movies. On their podcast, they did a review of this movie, but it's essentially an 80s, raunchy, gross-out sort of teen comedy. But it's about guys who work at an arcade, and it's one of those movies All where... From what I know, it came out during like kind of the arcade boom of the 80s. And there's probably somebody like some studio exec who was like, This new video game thing is hot. We got to make some movies about it. So they released this film. And when you're talking about so bad, it's good movies. Like this movie fits that bill so much. And, uh, I'm somebody who really loves finding movies that are so bad that they're good. And for every, like, for every room that you run across or toxic Avenger, you run across, or, you know, a lot of those classics, the problem with enjoying so bad that they're good movies is you run across a lot of films that are just bad. You know, you run across a lot of films that are just bad and they're not funny and they're not enjoyable. Or you run across movies that are maybe trying a little too hard when it's like, I don't know. I mean, I don't have a real example, but when it's like some movie about like Ronald Reagan crossed with Adolf Hitler lives on the moon and kills Martian. You know, there's like these ridiculous levels of B-movies that are trying too hard to be movies And for me, a lot of times those jokes fall flat. But the genius of the movie Joysticks is it is all super sincere. Like, this comes from a time where this sort of movie was really, really earnestly just trying to be funny, and the movie is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen, and I cracked up the whole way through. Because this is a movie where the main point of the movie is either to put characters in stupid, like, either funny or gross-out sort of gags, or... To try to introduce gratuitous nudity <laughs> at every possible turn, and the laws of physics, the laws of how things would actually play out, the laws of what, the laws of the way that uh, local businesses and municipalities work—none of it matters because all the only reason the movie exists is to uh, get to bring in gratuitous nudity and have stupid, stupid jokes. And it's one of those things where it's sincerely, sincerely trying to pull this off, and it's just failing at every level, and that's what makes it hilarious. Um, this was a short watch. This movie is like a hundred, or yeah, it's like it's like a uh, hundred and twenty minute, or not even that long. It's like an hour and a half, an hour and twenty minutes. That's the words okay. I was looking for. This movie is like an hour and twenty minutes long. It's super short. It is one of the goofiest things. But if you're somebody who likes those, like so bad it's good movies like you definitely have to check this out this is a movie i watched on Tubi, my favorite <laughs> my favorite streaming platform but uh it was definitely worth the watch it was really funny um another highlight of this movie because a lot of it has like your sort of stereotypical archetypal like 80s teen comedy or comedy characters you have like your main sort of like Upright jack guy who's like the guy who runs the uh who runs the video arcade, and you have uh you know, have you have the evil biz older businessman who's like trying to take the arcade down, and you have a lot of these like common 80 tr- 80s tropes. But one of my favorite parts of the movie is you have the actor who played Uncle Rico in Napoleon Dynamite shows up. Oh, and his name right. in the movie is King of Idiot. And King Vidiot is this punk rocker dude who just loves arcade games. And he loves going to the arcade. And for some reason, he has a posse of uh, just, like, cool punk rock chicks that hang out with him. And for some reason, these punk rock chicks in his posse move around and act like robots it's like they kind of are trying to act like video game characters themselves but uh it's it's a great movie and uh spoiler alert king vidiot actually gets to a point where he feels like he's betrayed by the people at the arcade and the evil businessman trying to take the arcade down may or may not not turn king vidiot against the heroes of our story but uh no this movie absolutely ridiculous the dumbest thing ever but if you're looking for a bad movie to like show some friends and just clown at this movie delivers like i was laughing almost every other scene in this thing so that's my watching this week it's ridiculous but it was hilarious so (laughs) um i will have to
0: um take a look uh no it sounds great and like Man, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite, because I was actually like, for some reason the other
1: day, I was thinking to myself, whatever happened to that guy? Um, yeah. And so the, he was like super like he's like early 20s, as far as I could tell. And so like pre- is, Napoleon Dynamite. Then. Yeah, yeah. This is like super early in his career, but it's kind of funny. I don't know if I've seen many other films or anything with him in it, you know. Gotcha.
0: Um Well, is that really all you watched this week?
1: Yeah, besides besides like kind of some of the other stuff that I've mentioned in the past. Well, it's so funny that you bring up the
0: watching um, bad movies. I watched two movies this week. Um, First, I watched Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins. Oh, okay. That came out last year. It was one of those like. I wasn't going to rush to see it, but I'll put it on the back burner if it pops up. Um, I was just scrolling through, like, the streaming, like, what haven't I watched yet? And I was like, oh, I never watched Snake Eyes. Let's give it a go. Um, it is okay. Um, it's not the best. Um, the fight scenes are great. So it's Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow, so you're going to have really cool, um, martial arts stuff. Um my problem my biggest problem with the movie is that you want snake eyes and storm shadow to be in classic gi joe outfits but this is like an origin story so you don't get to see it's very clear that snake eyes is snake eyes and storm shadow is storm Shadow just because of the colors they're wearing but you don't get to see the classic snake eyes costume until like two minutes before the credits
1: and you're like, oh, okay. That's they- what I heard about this one, is it just yeah. takes too long to get him in the suit. and Yeah. And then he's just... Oddly enough, it, I feel like that was a detriment to the hype against this movie, because it's just like, you just want to see these characters in the classic suits, and it doesn't really deliver on that. Is, that's yeah. just basically what I heard, though.
0: Well, it's the thing. It's like G.I. Joe has a fantasy to it, right? And yeah. you want... And you want these characters to have... Um, and you want... You want to enjoy the fantasy and um, yeah, it's military and stuff and it's pseudo realistic. It's you want to you want to suspend your disbelief because of what it is. They're not like you're not looking at it going. You better be hyper real and earnest. No, I'm I'm going expecting a G.I. Joe film. So the fight scenes were cool Um, and, you know, the casting wasn't bad, but it's Snake Eyes, Storm Shadow. And then there's only two other classic G.I. Joe characters in the movie, and that's Baroness. And Scarlet. Um, that's cool. Scarlet was played by Samara Weaving. Um, I really, pref- I really enjoyed Scarlet. Uh, Rachel Nichols, and I don't remember who played her in the second one, but I really enjoyed them in the other two movies. And then Baroness was actually pretty decent, but I loved Sienna Miller in the first G.I. Joe movie. She was really good as uh, Baroness. But other than that, it was just, it was just an okay movie like you didn't have to make a G.I. Joe it could have just been anything they could have just taken the G.I. Joe part out of the title called Snake Eyes and just enjoyed the movie for what it is um yeah it it wasn't it wasn't horrible it just was okay
1: yeah and that makes sense and like that's kind of what i gathered from stuff i've heard about it is it's like it's not bad but it just could have been better if they actually had the characters in the suits and kind of made it a little larger than life and stuff like that and just knowing how knowing a little bit about how how hollywood works it makes me wonder if this movie actually did start out as a different film and then they're just like well we could just throw some gi joe characters into this plot and turn it into its own thing And uh, sometimes I wonder about stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, go on. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. I don't know.
0: It's like I said, the movie was okay. It's not horrible. So if you're just looking for something mindless to watch or something for, you know, some cool fight scenes, enjoy. Um, The other movie I watched was Moonfall. Um, Do you remember seeing trailers for this? Vaguely. Uh, I feel like this got a lot of hype, right? It, well, I remember seeing it in front of, like, the trailer for it was in front of almost every movie I saw in the theater last year. And it was essentially the new Roland Embrick, the Earth is going to be destroyed, end of the world apocalypse movie that somehow we got to save the Earth. And um, it's got uh, Patrick Wilson is the main character. It's got uh, Jonathan Bradley, who played Samuel Tarly um, in Game of Thrones. It's got Halle Berry in it. And that's like your main cast. The rest of the cast is, oh, um, Michael Penna is in, in the movie as well. Um, and the rest of it is just kind of blah. Uh, Donald Sutherland has a cameo appearance. I guess you could call it a cameo appearance, but that's about it. Um, this movie, Moonfall, is the most ridiculous movie I think I may have ever watched in my entire life. Um, first off, It's not good. Secondly, (laughs) you you know, when you go into a movie, a meeting to like, hey, we're going to make a movie and you're going through and discussing plot and storyboard and all that stuff. I really think these guys took a blank whiteboard and say, let's toss stuff up on the whiteboard see what sticks and see if we can create a plot with the movie. Right. Okay. But instead of like, hey, this works, this doesn't work. Everything that got thrown onto the whiteboard stayed on the whiteboard. <laughs> um, it this okay, here's the thing. So, let me, I'm gonna cover the plot, I'm gonna totally tangent the heck out of this movie. Like, I'm gonna ruin the movie for you, and hopefully, everyone decides to try and go see it to see what I'm talking about because it was just ridiculous. So, the moon. Something's going on with the moon. Right. You have these astronauts up in space at the beginning of the movie and they get attacked by something that looks like maybe an alien species or like nanomachines or something. You're really not sure what it is. And that's kind of like how the movie opens. And it's like, oh, a disaster at the International Space Station, blah, blah, blah. Something happened. And this guy, Jonathan Bradley, who is like this, he calls himself a megastructurist. That's what he calls himself. That's like his profession. I'm a megastructurist. And so he's a scientist that studies what's called megastructures. And <laughs> the idea is, is it that these make skyscrapers or what is this? No, 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 no. A megastructure is this goes back to the idea of seed theory, okay? right? That alien creatures or robots or something in outer space has built these megastructures and have hidden them inside planets or moons or whatever the case may be. Well, he sees the news broadcast about the attack on the astronauts, and then he is running some numbers and doing some calculations, and he sees that the moon has shifted orbit and is actually, like, descending on Earth at a, at a slow rate, and it seems to be accelerating. So now he's trying to warn everybody that the moon is out of orbit, and the moon very well could possibly be a megastructure. And no one believes him because he's considered a whack job. And he reaches out to his fellow uh, megastructurists in the megastructurist community. And they're all a bunch of whack jobs. And he's like, we're the only ones who really know what's going on and blah, blah, blah. And um, Patrick Wilson's character, who, is, play, who uh, is one of the astronauts that survived, um, he reaches out to Jonathan Bradley when he finds out about – he finds out a piece of information. He's like, huh, I wonder – and reaches out to Jonathan Bradley to get some information from them. And then they go on the adventure of finding out, oh, the moon's really crashing into the Earth. It's literally going to hit the Earth. But there's a reason it's going to hit the Earth. It's because it's a megastructure. It was built by aliens. It's not real. It's not an actual piece of rock floating in space orbiting the planet. No, 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 no. It is an alien spaceship that's covered in rock to mask the spaceship. And the only way to stop it is we have to go up inside the moon, and deactivate whatever is causing the moon to crash and the earth to right itself and go back to orbit.
1: So the reason I'm laughing is because this is where it's getting to the point where I'm having to try to suspend my disbelief just during the plot synopsis. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that usually doesn't happen. But uh, I'm curious how this plays out. Because right now it just seems like it seems like far extreme levels of just, like, conspiracy theory nonsense. Like, it's hard for me to actually get get on board with this plot line as you're describing it.
0: And they are, like I said, they are throwing everything they can at the wall. Now, (laughs) um, they're like, what sticks on the wall? Put it in the movie. Um, So now, because the moon has shifted orbit, it's causing... The tides to change. So now you're getting like massive catastrophic, like tidal waves hitting cities and, you know, the oceans are rising and earthquakes and stuff like that because that's theoretically stuff that would happen if the moon fell out of orbit. You're going to get that because of gravitational forces and that kind of thing. Um, Then there's a part, this just blew my mind. The gravity swells. Okay. There are, there's sequences in this movie that are like any natural disaster, end of the world movie where literally like, I'm glad I wasn't standing there 20 seconds ago kind of moments. Um, but there's this scene where the, these kids are like trying to like there is an a, there is an Earth group of people that are all related to the main characters that have to go up into space. So they have to try and survive on the planet. So you got this like human related Earth thing where you're, like, following these people, like, trying to survive and get to the military base. Oh, the military base is destroyed. Now we got to get over to NASA. Oh, that's destroyed. we got to get here. Like, how do we keep surviving until they fix the problem? Well, there's these moments where, like, these kids are running and the ground, like, this bridge gets completely destroyed by, like, an earthquake or uh, an explosion or whatever. And they're like, we're not going to be able to get across. And the kid's like, just wait one moment. And she's like, what? He goes, look, a gravity swell. And they waited and as the wave comes and hits, they do a jump, and they literally just float across the ravine and land on the other side. And I'm like, hmm, okay. <laughs> um, Would gravity s- swells be able to be predicted like that? I don't know, but what what was his visual cue was the gravity as it was floating, as it was covering the space it was. It was lifting the water out of this basin. So you had this, like, wall of water kind of flying towards them. <laughs> It wasn't a wave. It was like this wall of water because it was being swirled up by the lack of gravity. Um, So there were some cool visuals for sure. But when I say it got ridiculous, it got ridiculous because now the moon is getting closer and closer to the earth. So there's a sequence near the end of the movie where you have New York being trounced by these massive tidal waves while the moon is inches like scraping the top of skyscrapers as it's rolling across because it has not actually struck the earth yet. Um, so, yes, like I said, there's some cool se- visual sequences. You're like, wow, I have never seen that before. Um, but, yeah, so essentially they have to get a space shuttle and get up into orbit. So it's Pat- Patrick Wilson, Jonathan Bradley and Halle Berry in the space shuttle. They're the only three crew members that get up there. And they're like, we have to go up into orbit. Right. And like we have to land on the moon. So but they have to get inside the moon. So like getting up there because it's being broken apart and stuff. They find the tunnel and they go through the tunnel and into the moon and you find the megastructure, which is massive alien construct inside the moon. That's like spinning and rotating and stuff. And it's what keeps the moon in space. that It is. This is where the movie got ridiculous, because when they got now, not that the movie hasn't been ridiculous thus far. This is where it gets really ridiculous, because once they're in, you find out that the aliens were actually human. They're the human ancestors that built the moon to keep the gravity on Earth to protect everybody and seeded the planet, blah, blah, blah. And they got wiped out by their own A.I. that they created to help run everything. And that like weird nanobot. Monster alien thing that's attacking everybody is the AI that's gone rogue. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So now they have to right the wrongs of their human ancestor aliens and fight the AI (laughs) and get the moon back in orbit and get back to Earth and rescue everybody. Yeah. Like I said, ridiculous. Um, In doing so, Um, uh, Jonathan Bradley ends up making the sacrifice and staying up on the moon and he ends up, uh, you know, dying and stuff because he's gonna, he's gonna take the ultimate sacrifice for everybody. Um, and yeah, that's basically, um, that's basically it. There is a really nasty segment, which I cannot figure out for the life of me because with the moon doing everything, they were like, what other natural disaster would cause? Oh, why don't we remove the oxygen from the planet? So now they become, now it becomes a race for oxygen instead of a Mad Max world where they're looking for fuel and gas. There's a moment where they have to find oxygen tanks so they can breathe. And, um, there's a sequence where this kid is wearing an oxygen, like tank backpack. He's got like a scuba diving backpack on and he's using it for the oxygen. He's got the mask on his face. And, after a crazy, like, chase scene where they have to, like, get into this, like, cavern or whatever, this one girl gets separated, and the kid's like, that's okay, I'll go back and get her. And he takes off the oxygen tank and mask and races out and go find her. Mm. And I'm like, so what? You don't need – you needed oxygen two seconds ago? Now you don't need oxygen? <laughs> like, <laughs> I know that people don't go into movies to I – I know when you start thinking making a movie, you don't go in thinking to yourself – Let's make a crap movie. But wow, man, like I said, I think they threw everything at the whiteboard, write everything down. Let's see what sticks. And they're like, you know what? It all sticks. Write a script. Let's see what we got. Go. Um.
1: Yeah. Yeah. At, it, yeah. It, so I haven't seen this movie, but my impression of it is it sounds like they were trying to do a lot And it sounds like, like, there's, like, 50 different concepts in there. And some of them are actually kind of interesting. Like, they probably could do something really cool with it. But, like, all of the concepts are super out there. Like, just really jump-the-shark sort of concepts. So I imagine in order to play concepts like that up, believably, you'd have to spend a little bit more time on them and uh, introduce them in a way and maybe focus on, like, one of those concepts for a movie. And if you actually did want to have like all these different layers of natural disasters and aliens and artificial intelligence and all these different ideas, you could also, you could like do like a series of movies and maybe like one thing leads to another. And then, you know, the end of the second movie, they realize the aliens were human and that was a huge, that's a huge clincher right there and stuff. But Mm -hmm. it just sounds like so much, Put in one movie that I just feel like I just wouldn't be able to suspend suspend my disbelief. Um, I don't know. It just sounds insane. <laughs> it it really really was. <laughs> so my one question though, after hearing all this, is are we going to have to revisit our top five disaster movies after you've seen this one? <laughs> um, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but I
0: noticed, I noticed, and I don't know if we need to do it right away, but I did notice. That yeah, We did disaster movies, and when I looked at them, aside from a couple picks, they were mostly natural disaster movies. We've never done apocalypse movies. So um, oh, that's a good that's a fun list. Right. So maybe we don't do it right away, but we've never done it. So I don't want to like, oh, hey, everyone, we're doing that next because that's not how the show works. So that we might table that for right now, but we've never done that. So, you know.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a pretty cool idea, just movies about the end of the world. Um, yeah, that, that'd be pretty fun, actually.
0: Yeah. Anyway, those are the two things I watched. Snake Eyes was okay. Uh, Moonfall was ridiculous. The trailer, I thought, was really cool. Like I'm like, this looks like kind of a fun movie. All right, I'm in. And then, wow, it just got
1: weirder and weirder and weirder. asked <laughs> think the stuff you're talking about towards the end about the moon being man-made and having like a giant gyroscope or something inside of it and the whole like the whole alien backstory sounded really interesting and like that's the part where i was like you could like maybe make a whole movie series based on that and have it almost be like this weird prometheus sort of thing and uh it sounds like they had some good concepts, but they tried to do too much and then just ended up not executing anything very well. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the impression of it, though. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: yeah, I really don't know. <laughs> I really don't know what else to say about it. I, I you know, if you want to watch it for, for just for the sake of the entertainment value, like what was he what was Drew talking oh. about? Check it out.
1: Yeah, it sounds. Um, It sounds like it could be a fun movie to watch with friends just to make fun of it, like have your own mystery science theater sort of thing. The one thing I was going to ask is, I'm assuming you watched Snake Eyes first and then watched Moonfall? I did, yeah. So did you have to have a palate cleanser after Moonfall? (laughs) Was that where you're like... I just got to watch Indiana Jones or something. I <laughs> actually
0: think when Moonfall was over, I turned on the Xbox and played some Halo.
1: Oh, there you go. Take out you know, some attention
0: that way. <laughs> yeah, I literally was like,
1: ah, I'm
0: going to go play a video game. I think that's what I ended up doing. But yeah, right. it's just weird. Anyway, <laughs> um, let's hop into the news, shall we? Yeah, let's go for it. All right. Like I said, this is a lighter week. Um, so... Uh, Do you remember the movie Prey, the uh, Predator movie? Yeah, I still haven't watched it yet, though. (laughs) Oh, dude. (laughs) Horrible nerd. (laughs) Hey, you are a horrible nerd because we're in a strike right now, and that is prime time to watch that movie.
1: Dude, I'm too busy watching 80s comedy classics like Joysticks. (laughs) Oh, yeah, good call. Um, Well, the
0: director, Dan Trachtenberg, uh, stated that he is having some very exciting conversations about a sequel for the film. Cool. Um, I don't know if that means it's completely greenlit. I don't know if that's officially happening. I would be shocked if they didn't do a prequel. Or, or not prequel, but a sequel. Um, but they are um, in conversations about that. So, very cool. I'm still waiting for the Alien movie that's supposed to hit Hulu. So, yeah. Um, Disney is in a crackdown on password sharing like Netflix. Um, okay. I really wasn't worried about Disney doing this originally because Disney has that weird, you can only have it on seven devices and you can only stream four at a time clause. Um, But they, but if you look at Netflix, Netflix decided to do the password sharing thing. And they're like, hey, we're going to, we're going to crack down on password sharing, which they did. And then they saw this like massive, like 2 million new accounts, like almost right away. Um, So that gamble paid off really well for Netflix. And I think Disney is looking to do the same thing just for subscriber numbers. Um, there is going to be a price hike for Disney premium and Hulu coming in October. Um, but I don't really know what that means yet because Disney and Hulu are supposed to be combined into one app soon. Um, so the price hike might be on purpose to see how they can, like, it might be a test of the waters kind of a thing. I don't know. Um, but right. there'll be there'll be more information as that comes. But it does look like Disney's going to try and do the uh, password sharing thing like Netflix did. So,
1: do you do you think that password sharing is like the new Napster at all? <laughs> um, I don't know if you can go to like, that extreme. <laughs> well, it's like it's one of those things where it's like. The mainstream industry is so against it, but everybody does it. And in a weird way, it reminds me of uh, music piracy, like in the early 2000s. And, uh, you know, now we have Spotify and Apple Music. And it's like it's like the fans and the industry have met a weird, happy medium with it. And uh, I wonder if password sharing is the same thing, because like I get the idea, like you crack down on password sharing and you're going to get a lot more people to sign up to your streaming service, but then at the same time, there's a lot of people who just aren't gonna fork over the cash and aren't gonna do it. And then I wonder if that plays into, you know, like, would Stranger Things be as big of a hit, for example, if people weren't allowed to password share when it came yeah. out, you know? Like, would it reach the levels of cultural uh, adoption if, you know, that, that password sharing isn't there, you know? There's something to be talked about there, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I never thought about it, like, in a Napster
0: sense. But, yeah, that's a good point.
1: Yeah, I don't I, know. Yeah. I, I don't know. That, that's just kind of my thought. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what to think about this one. I don't know if I'm on bar- board with it or... <laughs> like, I think it, it makes sense, like, you shouldn't be password sharing. But I'm kind of curious how it's going to uh, play out for Disney when they increase the pricing and crack down on this, you know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, Marvel... Uh, over to some Marvel news Uh, Fantastic Four uh, reboot in the MCU uh, reportedly Galactus will be the main villain Um, as long as they do Galactus right and not how they did it in the Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer um, as long as we get to see Galactus I think that'll be awesome we've already gotten glimpse of Celestials so they're not afraid of doing it to begin with Um, so bring it on man we all want to see Galactus on the big screen
1: so do it Oh, sorry, I didn't know if I... Oh, no, just for all the praise and or hate that the MCU gets, like, the one thing that I think you can't deny is the MCU is not shy with just putting characters in their original, like, comic book outfits. Like, I think they do a pretty good job of, like, if they're going to have Galactus, we're going to get, like, the you know, humanoid-looking, like, giant Galactus character. We're not going to get, like, a weird space cloud that has a Galactus shadow, like in uh, Rise of the Silver Surfer. So that'll be pretty sweet to see uh, when they actually put this on screen. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right. Also in Fantastic Four news, we have rumored casting.
0: Uh, first, uh, Joseph Quinn is rumored to play Johnny Storm. Uh, Joseph Quinn is uh, Eddie from Stranger Things. hmm Um, and then Vanessa Kirby is rumored to be Sue Storm. Um, Vanessa Kirby, if you don't recognize that name, she plays the White Widow or Max in, um, the Mission Impossible series. And she also was Jason Statham's sister in the Fast and the Furious Hobbs and Shaw film. Um, she's kind of slowly been, like, building as, like, one of those, like, uh, bigger names as she's gone on. Um, I have no problem with either one of these castings. Um, I like uh, Joseph Quinn. Would be, I think he'd be really cool with Johnny Storm. The only thing I have against... I mean, I'm totally fine with Vanessa Kirby playing Sue Storm. The only thing I have with Vanessa Kirby is... I really think she'd make a better Emma Frost... And be the White Queen in uh, like uh, the X-Men reboot. Whatever, they, whatever they're trying to do with the X-Men stuff. Um, but I'm, I'm down with her being sue storm i just thought i'm like ooh, emma frost might be cooler
1: but that's me yeah yeah good call i mean either role i think she'd be really great at but um yeah this is like some of that casting news that like it sounds awesome on paper it's just like is this true or not you know is this just a rumor are we all getting our hopes up or is this actually gonna happen you know yeah
0: all right we'll see um all right uh moving on to dc news Uh, David Ayer says that James Gunn promised the Suicide Squad director's cut will have its time. Please, let's just do it. Um, While in an interview with IGN um, and discussing his unseen version of the 2016 Suicide uh, Squad, David Ayer mentioned James Gunn said his cut of the film will have its time to be shared. Which means James Gunn probably saw it and went, Why'd they chop your movie up? Let's let them have it. (laughs) Um, So I look forward to actually seeing um, the David Ayer cut because they said there was a lot more Joker stuff that got cut out, a lot more Harley Quinn stuff that got cut out. Um, I bought the version I have is the extended edition, which definitely has some extra Harley Quinn Joker stuff. But from what I'm understanding, it's a lot more like his movie was much darker uh, than what we actually got. So,
1: yeah, I I would love it if this actually comes out, because it just I feel like we'd have a situation that's really similar to the Snyder cut where you had, you know, you had the Whedon cut of the Justice League that came out and it had very lackluster reviews and uh, just general enthusiasm for the film seemed to be kind of lackluster. But then couple years later we get the Snyder cut and everybody it's like celebrated everybody's like no that was awesome that was a better version of the movie and with the Suicide Squad I want to see it like I feel like we might actually have that sort of like the same thing where people can actually because I really like the first Suicide Squad movie like it's not a perfect film but I think it's a lot better than the majority of people say it is. And I did enjoy it at a lot of moments. And I kind of like want the air cut to come out because I feel like a lot more people are going to come around to this film and to the vision that he had. And it's finally going to be one of those things that's celebrated instead of how it is now, where it's usually used as more of a uh, punchline when people are complaining about comic book movies and stuff like that. So, Uh, yes. And the, um, Oh, man, complete
0: loss of train of thought. What the heck? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, my biggest, my only real gripe about the uh, uh, Suicide Squad, the first one, not James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, but Suicide Squad, the David Ayer film, was I did not like the end battle Right. that I was totally down with. I was like, all right, I see what they're doing. I'm with you. But I didn't like that end battle sequence. And that was my big beef with that movie. It's just it didn't. I, I thought the end battle kind of fell flat, but ultimately I really liked what he was trying to do there. So, I don't know. Um, yeah. All right. another other DC news, uh, we talked recently about Wonder Woman 3 being in the works because Gal Gadot said it is. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, according to Variety, Wonder Woman 3 is not happening at all. Um, so, listen to this. Despite recent comments from Al Gadot claiming DC heads James Gunn and Seaver Sa- Safran told her that they would develop Wonder Woman 3, sources with knowledge of the situation tell Variety that it is not the case. According to sources, the third Wonder Woman film is not in development at DC Studios, nor James Gunn or Peter Safran have plans at, any, at this time to have any Wonder Woman project in the DC universe other than the previ- previously announced Paradise Lost prequel series for Max. I find this very interesting because this is coming from Variety. However, the interview that Gal Gadot had where she specifically mentioned it, she said her quote was, I was invited to a meeting with James Gunn and Peter Safran, and what they told me, and I'm quoting, you're in the best hands. We're going to develop Wonder Woman 3 with you. We love you as Wonder Woman. You've got nothing to worry about. That's what Gal Gadot said.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then Variety comes out and says, it's not happening. Sources say it never had that meeting never happened. This isn't real. Don't get your hopes up. And the only person being quiet is James Gunn, who said, if I don't say it, it's not happening. (laughs) So on one hand, I don't know what to believe, but I don't want to disbelieve Gal Gadot because she's Wonder Woman.
1: (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) So at the end of the day, somebody isn't telling the truth. and uh, I'm willing to bet you it's Variety. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually getting there, because on the last episode, I did make a joke that Gal Gadot just made this story up, and uh, she's just trying to strong-arm her way into being in a Wonder Woman 3 movie, but that it's not actually part of uh, James Gunn's DC universe, but she's trying to, like make the announcement and almost like force his and Warner Brothers' hands into allowing this to happen, which I don't think is true. I just think it's a funny concept. But with this story, it's like, wait, is it a situation like that? But what I'm looking at is James Gunn said nothing. Gal Gadot has given us some very specific details about having a meeting with James Gunn himself. And Variety... Is claiming it's something else, but their source is just anonymous sources, and so yeah. to me, I would more likely doubt the anonymous sources because <laughs> that just seems vague and like, does that even exist? Like, who are these sources? You know, uh, you know, like Drew me or you could have been one of their sources <laughs> for all for all anybody knows. So I was I not, but I don't I, I don't know what to make of this, but uh, yeah, it's it's just a weird story. I don't know. Yeah.
0: I know, I know. Anyway, moving on. Can you believe it's been 10 years since Sharknado released? Did you know this?
1: (laughs) I didn't know that, but I mean, I can believe it.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, it's been 10 years since Sharknado released, and Sharknado is returning to theaters for their 10-year anniversary on August 15th and August 16th. Now, I've watched the first Sharknado. I've actually watched the first two Sharknados. Um, They're ridiculous. They're they're ridiculous and fantastic all at the same time. Here's the catch that makes me kind of curious and maybe want to go see this. Fully remastered, hundreds of new special effects have been added to the film. (laughs) Um, All right. (laughs) Right. It's the, all right, you got me with that. I have to go see the ridiculous Sharknado again because you're basically, it sounds like that statement alone makes me think that they just reshot the whole movie and like, or they just redid all the CGI and added all kinds of bizarre, just, Hey, let's just do this. Let's just do that. This could be really funny do that. You know? Um,
1: I think my guess is it's more, they just redid some of the CGI. Um, When it comes to like, what is considered a special effect like, is each shark that's flying around, is that considered a special effect? Like, they could have just added a couple, you know, a couple hundred extra sharks in the background, and that would still make the statement true. But with what you're saying, like, it would be funny if they put a lot more just gags in the background, you know, like, <laughs> just random hilarity that is going on with these sharks flying around and maybe random buys and stuff like that. But uh, no, keep yeah. going.
0: Well, the uh, the poster for this is a mockery of the Barbie poster. It's got Barbie's pink roadster. It has. It looks like Tara Reed and Ian Ziering in the passenger seats from the back. Ian Ziering's holding up the chainsaw as the pink Sharknado is flying towards them, and yeah. it has and Sharknado is in the Barbie font at the top of the poster. It's yeah. it's hilarious. Um, so yeah, ten years of Sharknado, awesome. Um, And then, are you ready for the science story for the week? We haven't done one of these in a while, and then we can move on to our list for the night. I I never am. I'm never ready for these stories. All right. (laughs) Scientists spot super high energy gamma rays coming from the sun. Scientists at Michigan State University had a dramatic excess of gamma rays pouring out of the sun, representing the highest energy light emissions ever detected from Earth's star. We are all getting hulked out, Peter, and it's going to be Planet Hulk here on Earth. Check this out. All that gamma radiation that's about to hit us.
1: <laughs> I I concur. Yeah, I know. There's not much to say about it. You're like, yes, let's do this. <laughs> no, it just it sounded like just some crazy doomsday story or it's just one of those like it sounds like we're all screwed, but. You can't do anything about it, um, but I that you brought it into a lighthearted realm with the uh, with the Hulk joke. Yeah, so I appreciate I, that. I, just, I saw the gamma
0: rays and I'm like,
1: dude, we're all getting hulked out. <laughs> See, but when everyone's a Hulk, no one is. so You got to keep that in mind. It is true. We're gonna have to find someone to give us all a lullaby in the end of the at the end of the day. So, um, are we all gonna be Professor Hulks, or are we all gonna be like, you know, year one sort of Hulk where we're just like. We're all just like stupid rage machines running around, you know, like what's gonna happen then? Well, I don't know how much uh,
0: you know, I don't wanna stay, say the wrong thing. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um yeah, anyway. Um yeah, we're all getting hooked out, that's how I'll put it there. Um let's move on to the list for the night, shall we? Um you good? Yes. This time? (laughs) All right. Let's roll the thing. And now for the top five. Peter, this was your list. Um, So what are we doing, man? Uh, Why don't you explain it to everybody and
1: we'll go from there. Yeah, so tonight we're doing our top five uh, our top five favorite movies that are named after songs. So it's pretty self-explanatory. There is a ton of movies out there that are named after songs. And uh, the only rule I had was that the song had to come out before the movie was made. So we're talking about the two examples I gave last week is Pretty Woman and um, My Girl, which are both like classic like old school rock and roll songs that it's like obviously the movies came out much later but this is just I think kind of a fun list and I thought it was a kind of a unique topic that you uh you might not think of but I thought this was cool because there's a lot of movies named after songs uh they range from really mediocre movies to like actually some really really good movies and it's also interesting to talk about Do these movies actually have anything to do with the song they're named after? Or is it almost like they're completely unrelated? (laughs) And we might get into some of that stuff later on. But uh, what did you think while you're putting this list together, Drew? I was very
0: surprised with the amount of movies named after songs for stuff that I didn't know were songs. And it made me go look up the songs, which was kind of cool because you're like, oh, really? And then I had to go look up the songs. And then some of them I was like, well, I mean, that's cool, but that doesn't—that song has nothing to do with the movie itself. You know what I mean? So it was really – yeah, there was just some interesting things there. So um, I just found it to be an interesting list. Some of the movies on my list I've talked about so I can keep
1: my uh, um, reviews short, if you will. Um, but, but there, yeah. So one thing I noticed was if you uh, – google movies named after songs there's actually a few of them that it's like debatable whether they're named after the song and it's also debatable about like whether like what came first the movie or the song and uh, we'll see how our list plays out um as that goes but uh yeah i have uh two honorable mentions i don't know where you sit same i'm pretty sure all of mine um
0: the song came out first song came out first i believe all of them the song came out first yeah um so i guess i gotta go first right all right um the first one this movie is um absolutely fantastic it's probably one of the best biopic movies that are out there um the only reason this makes an honorable mention because as soon as i say the title you're gonna go oh my god that's an amazing film how did that make an honorable mention Based on the rules of this list, I felt like this was a cheat, and that is the only reason that it makes an honorable mention and not on the actual list, and that's the movie Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay. Um. Yes, the movie is named after the song, but it's also a biopic about the band that wrote the song, so in a weird meta way, I felt it was
1: cheating to have that on my pick, <laughs> Um. if you can see why what I mean by that yeah um and i guess i guess the movie rocket man would fall into a similar boat as this but i see what you're saying i think i would have counted this movie but i think i do understand your thought process and why it makes it as an honorable mention because it's almost too obvious and too easy of a pick in that way um this this is a really good movie which i like a lot um I made the mistake of watching a YouTube video shortly after watching this movie that talked about all of the aspects of Freddie Mercury and Queen's career that they changed for the movie. Like they basically went through every single point of the movie that wasn't true. And after watching that YouTube video, I was kind of left with this thought of, well, what was true then? (laughs) Like I made a mistake of researching it too much and then being disappointed with how much was actually fabricated for the film. Uh, so I was a little disappointed with that. But no, this is this is an awesome movie. This is actually one of my wife's favorite movies. Like she spent like a year watching this movie like on repeat almost. Like she loves it so much. But uh, no, this yeah. this one's awesome. Um, I feel like I'm going a little bit too long. Um, there's like a couple of camera shots and stuff I was thinking of that I could delve deeper in. But no, good call.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I just that's the only reason I didn't make the actual cut is because I felt it was a cheat because uh, it was it's kind of named after the song about the song about the band about the guy. Biopic. I felt like when I was looking at the other so- movies that were named after songs, it just didn't fit for me. So. Yeah, right on. I so anyway, go ahead. Uh, what's your first honorable mention?
1: Yeah, uh, my first one um, is—I w- I was about to say a classic, but it's actually not that old. But I went with the movie uh, "Take Me Home Tonight," um, <laughs> which is uh, you know starring Topher Grace, and then he's got his uh, friend Dan Fogler. Dan Fogler's awesome. Uh, you know, he's from Fanboys. I love to see him in any movie, but uh, it's kind of just like a great teen comedy about like. I I really like those teen comedies where it focuses on that time between where you're like between or college and kind of the real world and you don't know what to do with with your life. Kind of like uh, the movie Adventureland has kind of a similar time period that it focuses on as far as like not like Adventureland doesn't take place in the 80s like take me home tonight but it's like a similar time period in your life that it focuses on i guess i should say but um but yeah this is movie this is a movie that plays out where it's like about this guy who's kind of in one of those slumps as i was saying and he kind of goes on this crazy party happening adventure throughout the night in sort of like a quest to find himself and find love more or less and uh It's just a fun movie. It's hilarious. There's a lot of 80s tropes and uh, 80s jokes and stuff. And the weird thing about this movie, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure the song Take Me Home Tonight by Eddie Money never actually plays during the movie. And I don't know if it, it came. I don't know if this movie came out in a weird like post post ironic time frame where they were like, it would be too obvious to have the actual song in the film, but I remember watching it and I don't remember actually hearing that song. Like even in the credits, I don't think they played that song, which is a very interesting choice. But, uh, I don't know if you've seen this one, Drew, or if you have any thoughts on this. Um, I have not seen this movie. So unfortunately I have no thoughts on it, but, um, I'm with you. Oh, nice. <laughs> you should watch it sometime. It's, it's pretty fun. It's definitely a, uh, like, definitely don't watch it with the kids around, but uh, sure, okay. it's a pretty uh, it is a pretty funny sort of movie if you're in the mood for like a teen comedy sort of thing. So,
0: yeah. All right. Um, all right. So my next honorable mention is Baby Driver. Um, right. Named after the song Baby Driver by Simon and Garfunkel. Um, Baby Driver is awesome. I don't. Know if I remember if the song is actually in the movie, and I didn't look it up because he listens to so much music in the movie. Um, but the movie is fantastic. Um, the, ch- the car chases, the mystery, the you know, um, the heists and the bank robberies and stuff like that. The love story. It's such a fun movie. Edgar Wright's a genius uh, with his script writing. Um, just really, really cool. So, and I, we've talked about Baby Driver before, but I did not know it was named after a song. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This, this is a cool movie. Like it's good. It's really suspenseful and it's, uh, it's one of those movies with just insane, not just star or, excuse me, not just car stunt scenes and, uh, just car chases and stuff. It has just really cool sequences when it comes to how stuff plays out and especially combining, uh, visual imagery with music, like, whether it's the action scenes or even some of the quiet scenes, like there's a, ro- a lot of really cool, just like cinematography p- paired with really interesting music choices that makes this movie a lot of fun. So yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, man. Second
0: honorable mention. What do you got?
1: Yeah. So my next one, uh, this is a weird honorable mention. Cause it probably should sit high uh, higher on my list, but I did this weird thing with my list where I wanted all my movies <laughs> to be songs that I was familiar with and that I liked, and because I wasn't super familiar... Oh, I did it the backwards way. I wanted it to be movies that I, I'm familiar <laughs> with and <liked. laughs> so I'm this like. So, like, I don't know the- if I care about the song it was named after. <laughs> you asked me to pick movies that I like named after songs. <laughs> touché, touché. No, you're right there. But uh, for this honorable mention, I actually went with Knives Out, which is apparently named after a Radiohead song, and I was actually unfamiliar with the song. Um, I do believe I... Like, it's no surprise to me that this movie would be named after a, ra- a Radiohead song. I just didn't know that. And even though it's like one of my favorite movies from the last couple years, it just I think because I wasn't super familiar with the song, it ended up being an honorable mention. Probably a stupid way to structure my list, but that's the way I did it. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> um, Knives Out is fantastic.
0: Knives Out is actually my first pick of the night. So in a weird oh. way, we matched because I put it as a pick and you picked it as a I don't So, um, but yeah, we've talked about Knives Out heavily just in general. But I, in looking stuff up, I also didn't know that it was named after the Radiohead song, which I did go and listen to. I just didn't yeah. know, you know, so. Um, and, if, and I wonder, I do really wonder, is if, because when I was Googling this, is if some of the results when I was doing the Google search was... Is the song actually named after the is the movie actually named after the song or is it a coincidence that they both share the same name? You know, I understand in the sense of Pretty Woman, that one's pretty clear. You know what I mean? Yeah. This one, I wonder if it's actually just a coincidence or not. I don't know um, that might that's one of those behind the scenes movie things that, you know, we might never find
1: out, you know. So, this one I do think could go either way. Like, it is possible that it's a coincidence, but I also feel like Ryan Johnson would be a Radiohead guy and he would just be like, that's the <laughs> perfect title for this movie and just go with it, you know? So, yeah, of course, he'd be a Radiohead guy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> I uh, didn't mean that in a disparaging way at all. I just meant I could see that happening, you know? Um, anyways, I guess I can move into my first, yeah,
0: because we we kind of match there. I do wonder. There is uh, for sure one that I'm expecting to uh, match on. And um,
1: there's another one that I have a feeling will match on. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. My first actual pick um, is another kind of bombastic teen comedy. Uh, I went with the movie Detroit Rock City. Ah. This is named after the Kiss song. Um, It's actually one of my favorite songs by Kiss but this is a movie that's... It is a really good Kiss song. Yeah, yeah, compared to some of their other biggest hits. I think Detroit Rock City is one of the best ones, but um, this is a movie that's about the band Kiss uh, kind of indirectly. It's about a group of high school kids uh, in the seventies who basically skip school because I believe they're like in one of the suburbs outside of Detroit and they're skipping school because they're going to drive into the city and they're going to the kiss concert and they don't have any tickets. They probably don't have enough money to get in, but God damn it. They're going to get into that concert. I know. I know. And they just got to do this. And it's such a fun movie. And uh, I think this movie is, one of the parts of this movie that I find especially amusing is I don't know the actor's name, but the guy who plays uh, Butler from Fanboys is yeah. uh, one of one of the kids in this movie. And he's kind of the more innocent kid who has like a really strict, like Christian mother who's like really against him listening to kiss in general. And uh, I I think it's funny that he's in this movie and he's also in fanboys, and both movies feel very, very similar because they Detroit, do <laughs> Detroit Rock City, even though it takes place over the span of a day, it has the feel of a road trip movie like it has a feel of a group of people going out on the road trying to hit reach their destination and just it's almost like. Detroit Rock City is the quintessential, like, KISS fan movie. And Fanboys is, like, the quintessential Star Wars fan movie. But uh, this movie is just a lot of fun. Um, Besides Butler, there's, or not Butler, but that actor, there's also another guy in the group who, uh, he kind of plays the more, like, stoner member of the group. Um, And it's kind of funny, because I've heard on uh, one of Kevin Smith's podcasts, he was talking about how, that guy basically just stole um, Jason Mewes characters character from the Kevin uh, Smith movies <laughs> to, mm. play, to play that character. He's like, yeah, you watched that movie, and that stoner guy is just acting like Jay the whole time, <laughs> which I think is really funny. And thinking back on the movie, I think he had long hair and the beanie. Like, I think he pretty much did look like Jay. But uh, for me, another aspect of this movie is... Um, Kiss was always one of those bands that like I liked a couple of their of their songs, but I never was that big of a fan of. Like I never like connected with them growing up and stuff. And I remember watching this movie and being like, by the time it gets to the concert and you're watching the characters experience the concert, and you're seeing the pyrotechnics and the crazy stage theatrics, and you're seeing blood come out of Gene Simmons' mouth, and you're sitting there going, like, okay. I can see how kiss is awesome. This movie is showing me how kiss is actually an awesome band to see live. So I think that's like another cool aspect of this movie because kiss is one of those bands that is big enough and has a lot of probably just annoying bits about them. But I think this movie does a good job of showcasing why people like this band. So I really appreciated that aspect as well. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so funny. You,
0: you literally like there's not much I can say about it, um, right. <laughs> as as always happens sometimes on this show. Um. No, this is a great movie. And it's so And I'm like I love movies. And it's like the impromptu road trip, like yep. such a great like, you know, you know, I, I mean, yes, several movies do it. There's so many out there. I mean, Detroit Rock City, Fanboys, Crossroads, The Sure a Sure Thing um the list kind of uh, road trip euro trip like you know what i mean there's so many of these movies out there um yeah that do that but this is a great one in terms of like being a fan and if you're going to do if you're going to do a movie fan road trip thing fanboys is perfect because star wars that's the quintessential that's the that's the pinnacle right yeah if you're
1: going to do it with music
0: kiss is probably the band you go with
1: you know um, of all bands, that's the band, band you go At with, the so. time period, like, it's a perfect band for that, like, super bombastic, like, you know they were putting on such a good show that you would have to see it, but it also is, like, Kiss, so it's, like, every kid's parents hated this band and didn't want them listening to it, and I think the movie does a good job of capturing that, where by today's standards, like, Kiss doesn't seem very threatening at all, <laughs> but I think this movie does show that level of, uh, depravity that uh all the adults in the movie like saw in the band of kiss so yeah um yeah. all right so my
0: next one for the night is a movie called throw mama from the train <laughs> named, after, named after a song of the same name throw mama of the train by patty page have you ever seen this movie yes yes um right. danny devito with his overbearing mothers taking a writing course like a night school writing class or whatever to be a fiction writer taught by Billy Crystal. And he gets he basically I don't remember if he watches or he reads he either reads a story or watches a Hitchcock film or whatever, which inspires him to do his mother in. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then he talks Billy Crystal into helping him kill his mom. (laughs) Um, This is an incredibly dark comedy, but it's Hilarious, and like you got two like really great comedic actors for their time thrown into this really dark, uh, disturbing like discussion or whatever, and it becomes this crazy comedy of errors of trying to like throw Mama from the train. (laughs) Um, I haven't watched this movie in years, um, but I also didn't know it was named after a song, so it it really made me go wait
1: what, and I had to look it up, but. This is one that uh, I didn't realize was named after a song either, but it's a great film. Um, yeah, I feel like it was like there was a hitchhiker movie plot where it was like one guy asked another person to kill like his wife or mother or whatever it was for him so that that guy wouldn't be a, su- a suspect because he would have this like rock-solid alibi for when the uh, deed went down. But this movie... I feel like is probably severely underrated. This is a movie that I feel like this might sound silly, but I feel like this is a movie that they could, or maybe even should show in film classes, because this is a movie that to me is such a good film to showcase how you make a villain. Because when you want to talk about villains that are villains that you love to hate, the mother in this movie, it's funny that it's like the Danny DeVito and Billy Crystal are trying to kill this woman, but the mother ends up being like the villain as how the story plays out. You know, and why? And now
0: that I'm thinking about this, man, we just did female villains. How did this not come up?
1: Right. And it's probably because this movie is severely underrated. So even if you Google like best female villains, she doesn't come up, but she gets under your skin. You hate her. You under. It's like it sounds bad to say, but you're like I understand where Danny DeVito's is coming from in the movie. And then it I gets know. to the point where one of the characters is about to murder her, and something happens, or she says something, and it totally turns them around, and it makes them realize what a horrible act they're about to commit. Like, I can't believe we were about to do this. And you have like a heartfelt moment with her. And then the movie has this genius comedic timing where she'll say, the next thing she'll say will just piss you off again. And it just turns it back (laughs) on its head. And it's such a good movie when it comes to that sort of comedic timing as well as that, just such a good uh, villain that you just love to hate like you can't stand this woman but you also can't look away and uh yeah I think this movie's really underrated uh in those regards so yeah really god really good movie um all right um your pick I, man yeah Yeah, this one gets thrown back to me. Um, I actually went with one that was briefly mentioned last episode. Um, I went with uh, the movie Dazed and Confused, um, uh, named after the Led Zeppelin song. And uh, this is another it's kind of funny. Most of my list is teen comedies, it feels like. But this is a teen comedy from sometime during the 70s. I don't know if it's late or early, but uh, it's a movie that actually does have a couple kiss jokes and references, too. But it's basically about a bunch of teenagers who are just going to like this random obscure field to just have a big party. And it kind of follows a bunch of different characters in their pursuits to finally get there. And uh, there's a bunch of just really great subplots that play out. There's uh, Matthew McConaughey is uh, he's not the main character, but he's pretty prominent in the film. And he's kind of like this older dude who's still hanging out with high schoolers and he plays such a scumbag but it's funny because his character is oddly like fine fondly remembered like I feel like he has so many quotable lines and like people are always quoting Matthew McConaughey from this movie but you think back on the movie and you're like this guy is really gross. <laughs> like this guy's a total scumbag, and I hate him. Why is it his lines that are remembered? Um, but the movie just has a great cast. Like uh, I'll actually have to pull it up, but I had the IMDb page pulled up. But it's, we're talking like Jason London, Joey Lauren Adams, Mila Jovovich, uh, Ben Literally Affleck. like everybody
0: there. was in this movie. But
1: keep yeah, going. like everybody from and I don't know was this like early nineties? I want to say like it's. Yeah. Everybody who was like a hot actor at the time was in this movie, but it's just it's just a fun movie. There's a lot of funny parts, but I think what I really love about Dazed and Confused is it. I oddly feel nostalgic for a time before I was born. Like you see this lifestyle that was around and this is before cell phones and before the internet and people just went out and did things and kids were getting in trouble. But there's a weird romanticization of that time period. That's really well displayed in this movie. So as much as it's a goofy comedy, it almost like makes me yearn for like, like I kind of wish I grew up at that time because it just looks like, despite like a lot of the dangers and cultural issues going on, it also looks like there is a lot of excitement to it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is, this is just a great film. So I don't know if you have any thoughts or comments on this one, Drew. But... Um, it Like, This is a great. I mean, yes, under the realm of the stoner
0: classic, under the teen classic, under the high school movie, under like this. There's so much to this film, and it's so much fun, um, in a general sense. Yeah. Um, And uh, yeah, no, just a great movie. I actually, there was um, in the theater I go to, they they do this like they bring on a celebrity and they interview him a little bit, and then they shoot him like movie trivia and like see how good like you know, hey, you're in a sports movie. How well do you know your sports movies? And then they do like sports trivia. And it's like four or five questions. And you're shocked at how bad they are at this movie trivia. Yeah. Um, But they did one the other uh, last time I was there. It was in front of Oppenheimer and they were showing They're like, we're going to show you some blurred images and you and you have 10 seconds to guess the movie. And one of them was dazed and confused. But I was like, but it was funny because I was like naming them. I was like on I was on spot on. I'm like, Dirty Dancing, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Days and F- Confused, Rocketeer. Like I was just naming them all. Yeah. Um, and the guy next to me is like, dude, seriously? And I go, I, I don't know how you didn't know that was Days and confused, but <laughs> um. <laughs> but yeah, whatever. Um but yeah, really good movie. Anyway, um, I'm gonna toss back to myself. Um, I'm going with the movie American Psycho um named after the song American Psycho by the Misfits. Right. Um, this uh I've talked about my love for this movie. It's so great. Christian Bale. This is like this movie is one of the two roles that landed him the Bruce Wayne Batman role. Um but what I loved about this movie being named after a song is that it's so fitting that it's named after a song because Christian Bale's character is like super into music. Like as a hobby. Right, yeah. You know, and I and it, I really feel like I should go back and watch or at least look it up to see if the song American Psycho is in the film. I just don't actually know. I didn't do that part. I was like, "Oh yeah, no kidding." And I went back and listened to the song, but um um but yeah, I this movie's fantastic. Um and I rem- it was on it was uh, I remember there was a night that I was waiting to record for you. I, I was waiting for you to be ready to record. I was waiting. People were, like, still coming home to the house. Like, I was home by myself. American Psycho is literally starting on, like, Showtime or something. And I'm like, wow, I had not seen this movie in a while. I got a couple hours before Peter's ready to record. And ended up getting the whole movie in before we sat down to record. I'm like, God, this movie's amazing. <laughs> um, That's awesome.
1: Yeah. So. <laughs> no, th- this, this movie's great. Um, this is actually one of the ones that I was researching where it seemed to be debatable whether the movie was named after the song or not, and whether the song came out before. Oh, you actually did run into that? or? Yeah, I ran into the idea that I'm with you.
0: I wonder which one came first. However... I'm willing to argue that I just like
1: the movie and the song's cool and I'm going to throw it on my list. (laughs) There you go. No, but you had really good points and this is actually a great film. Uh, The biggest reason it didn't make my list was because there was the question there. And I guess, um, one of the issues was, uh, from what I read, um, The Misfits and specifically Jerry Only, who was kind of running the band at the time, was doing a lot of songs in pursuits or in the pursuit of trying to get onto movie soundtracks at the time. At least oh. that's the conspiracy theory I ran across. So American Psycho is like based on a book, but some people were saying that. Jerry only wrote American psycho because he knew the movie was coming out soon. And he was like trying to <laughs> strong arm his way into it. Where if you know the history of the misfits and uh Jerry only, it seems believable because he is more or less the guy who, after Glenn Danzig left the band, he's kind of the guy who stayed in the band and uh, made misfits the cash cow that it is more or less now. Like he's the one who got, misfits merchandise into walmart (laughs) like previous iterations of the band probably wouldn't have done that at all so uh i think that's really funny but uh no definitely a great pick and this is one that i think should have made my list it's just that question there that uh kept it from making my final pick so sure um um all right man what is your next pick Yeah, so my next one is actually the movie that I thought you were about to say. I went with the movie American Pie. (laughs) And this is, again, I didn't realize most of my picks were teen comedies uh, before I put this together. But I guess it kind of makes sense with the category. American Pie is an interesting case because there is no doubt in my mind that this movie is named after, or this, yeah, this movie is named after the Don McLean song, American. Like, I think it's clear as day. Like that's what this movie is named after. The movie has absolutely nothing to do with the song. It has nothing to do with the time period of that. The song came out. It has nothing to do with any of that spirit of where the song comes from. It is a raunchy teen comedy. And, uh, Jason Biggs character does something with a pie in the movie. And it's almost like guys writing the movie just said, it'd be funny to call this movie American pie because of that one part. And, uh, it kind of stuck. And this is one of those weird things where it's like, (laughs) is this movie honoring the song? not really, uh, it's probably like Don McLean probably isn't happy that, and I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's alive or not, but I'm like, he's probably not happy about this, but, uh, I just think it's when it comes down to it and we've talked about this movie before American pie is one of the best, like you make a top five teen comedy movies. American pie is one of the best. It is a movie that oddly enough, kind of like the movie scream. Like I feel like this is a movie that brought back, the raunchy teen comedies from the 80s like it brought back those sort of gross out films that weren't in vogue and American Pie came back came back and uh, inspired I think other movies like uh, I don't know if I I don't know if it came out before She's All That but kind of like that sort of era like She's All That and Van Wilder and all those like late 90s early 2000s teen movies I feel like American Pie kind of inspired a renaissance of movies like that and with the subject matter i'm going with right now renaissance is a hilarious word to use but uh i don't know if you have any comments on this one drew at all (laughs) um first off i'm completely
0: drawing a blank and i was waiting for you to say it who performed american pie yeah don mclean thank you i literally was like god why and you're talking i'm like what is that guy's name yeah um um (laughs) The uh, no, this is it's really funny. Your list compared to mine, um, because I'm picking like violent, dark comedies and like you know, just violent uh, thrillers and stuff like that. And you're like, yeah, and I got this other teen comedy and this other teen <laughs> comedy, um, two completely diverse lists on purpose, you know. But <laughs> uh, this movie, um, American Pie, I really feel like became the new uh national lampoons if you will yeah um they really like set the set the stage and set the bar for teen comedies back in that late 90s early 2000s and then it became a thing and i've only seen i've seen four of them you know american pie one two and three and then whatever one came at the end like what the whatever the fourth one was and then I think there's like 10 of these movies now. And I've only seen that first
1: group. I don't know if I need to see them because technically they all have the same plot. Um, <laughs> You're, are you talking about like the spinoffs like yeah. Camp and the Naked Mile and all that? Yeah. Um, I've seen like parts of a lot of those movies. From what I've seen, they're kind of like not really worth it unless you just really, really like like gross out, like silly teen comedy humor, but from what I've seen, they're not the greatest thing. And that's probably why a lot of them didn't get a theatrical release. But um I don't know. I do know some people who say that uh American Pie the Naked Mile is one of their favorite movies. So there's that too <laughs> it kinda depends on how you look at it, you know? <laughs> right. Um
0: Yeah, um yeah I this movie's great. I haven't watched it in a while. Um I wonder if it still holds up. I don't know when the last time you watched it though, was.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't really know, and that's actually a good question. And uh, yeah, I don't even know if I'm the right person to answer that. Like, I feel like this is a movie that you could probably show to like, uh, <laughs> you know, some like kid fresh out of high school and say like, does this movie hold up or is this like, you know, an abomination, and just see how they react to it, you know. Yeah, but it, yeah, Jeff <laughs> for it, you know. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, all right, so my second-to-last pick of the night is the movie Desperado, uh, named after the song Desperado by the Eagles. Right on. Um, I absolutely love this movie. Um, from the opening of the film with Steve Buscemi telling, the, like, the tall tale of the, you know, the guitar player that comes in and murders everybody because he's got guns in his case, all the way to the, like, end of the film, like, this – This movie, from beginning to end, is this amazing adventure revenge film. Um, It's a very simple story, but the action sequences are incredible. The gunfights are awesome. They're ridiculous and over the top, but they're awesome all the way through. Everybody's in this movie. You know, this is Tarantino. This is Robert Rodriguez. This is Steve Buscemi, Antonio Manderas, Danny Trejo. Um, It just gets... Salma Hayek. Salma Hayek. This movie has got so much to it. Um, And it's such a... It's just a fun action movie. Like, there's nothing... I don't think there's one thing that's, like, bad about this movie. And I remember the first time I watched it, um, the opening sequence when... Not the opening sequence with the guitar, because the opening credits are, like, the guitar players and stuff. And then, like, that's kind of, like, the backstory to, like, you know, the guy, like losing his wife or girlfriend or whatever. And then it kind of sets him on the path of revenge. That's kind of like the opening credit sequence. What I'm talking about is the Steve Buscemi walking into the bar, sitting down and drink and like telling the story about being at another bar when this dude came in with the guitar case and, you know, watching, uh, I don't know if it's Cheech or Chong, but whichever one was the bartender, like, watching his reaction to the story, watching Tarantino's reaction to the story, like, watching them all do that. And then you're seeing glimpses of how, like, out um, over the top the story is embellished. And you're just like, God, I am in. This movie, like, is everything I wanted, like, right away. You know what I mean? Like, yeah.
1: yeah. It makes me wonder, because I know we've talked about this um, in the past, like, when you make a movie or a video game or a comic you really have to hook somebody within the first 30 seconds like you really need something that's going to get them in on the story and yeah it makes me wonder if like was there a cut of desperado at one point where that that opening sort of dialogue with um Steve Buscemi and the people in the bar like was that ever the opening scene and they didn't have that sort of um what you were talking about like that quick like scene with the guitar players and you know you have Antonio Banderas walk down the bar and hit somebody with the head of his guitar and stuff like was that originally was that always meant to be the opening or was there a version where the Steve Buscemi uh bar scene was the opening of the movie and then they realized they needed something extra to get you in on the story before that um and I'm just speculating here I could be totally off but this movie's awesome. We've talked about it a lot in the past, but I love this movie. It's uh, it's probably my favorite Robert Rodriguez film. I mean, I'm not sure, but it's definitely up there for me. And uh, it's just a really, really fun movie. And what I love about Desperado and actually just like all the El Mariachi movies is that it takes this really simple concept. You've got a traveling guitar player who's got a guitar case that's full of guns and where do you go from there? And it, the movie proceeds to make this cat, co- this like really simple concept, so badass and so epic, and it has such a cool story that really engrosses you when you watch it. And uh, that's what I think is impressive about it. Um, this movie didn't make my list, and this is another one that should have. My, my, me. Being this a- is one I expected to match on, by the way. The only thing is, and I didn't really research this, but is this movie for sure named after the Eagles song? Because there was part of me where I was like, I don't know if it's actually named after the song or if it's just a good title for the movie. It's a great question. But in all the lists,
0: <laughs> I like in all the Googling I did, it yeah. kept coming up that it was. So
1: I went with this it. Is, this is me putting stupid rules for my list. And that's why I ended up with a bunch of teen comedies that are some <laughs> movies, but that's why Desperado <laughs> didn't make the list for me, because I had that question in the back of my mind. Um, so I actually want, might want to re, uh, research that a little bit.
0: Well, more. my argument was I kept finding stuff saying it was so I went with it and there, God forbid something on the Internet's wrong.
1: No, that, there you go. I actually do want to research this one more. And oddly enough, this is a list where, like, I feel like I'm going to want to revisit, even though walking in today to the podcast, I was so confident with my picks. But, I mean, Throw Mama from Your Train, Desperado, um, American Psycho, like, you're making me second guess some stuff. So, uh, But that's <laughs> <It> nothing <doesn't laughs> wrong with your list. Don't, like, you're fine. <laughs> but I think that's what the podcast all is all about, is the conversation. Yeah. A lot of these lists really depend on how you look at it, so I think that's really fun um, yeah. but I guess I can move into my second to last pick, which I think we might match on because neither of us has talked about this one yet uh yet but I went with uh the movie Stand by me. Hey, we matched on that one nice so this is a movie I was that- be
0: my last pick so.
1: Yeah, this movie is this is a movie that's named after a song that we all know and love by Ben E. King, "Stand By Me." And thank you
0: for thank you for mentioning the name because I thought to myself, who sang this song? And then I went and looked it up, and this song has been covered four hundred times. <laughs> so I was like, well, shoot, I don't know which of the version of the song that I like the best because I know I've heard it several times but I'm like which version is that and who was that like that's went through my mind I was like hold on a second how many times has this been done 400 covers of this song so anyway uh
1: side note um I do highly recommend the Pennywise version of this song uh the band Pennywise because they do like They start out the song very straight, like, very true to the original. And then halfway through, it turns into your regular, like, Pennywise skate punk sort of song. And it's, like, it's a really good punk uh, rock cover of uh, Stand By Me. But, uh, no, anyways, about the movie. So, it's based off a Stephen King, uh, I believe, short story, which I'm pretty sure is called The Body. I probably should have done a little more research to confirm that. But it's basically a movie about a group of kids, a group of childhood friends who are venturing out into the woods, wandering train tracks out of town just because they hear that there's a dead body somewhere and they are going out to find it. And then you are watching this movie that proceeds to just show you it's it's cool because the movie has that sort of Stephen King horror link like it has that dead body thing. And then you have yeah. their... Run- you go find the dead body. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have their, like, run-ins with, like, the older group of kids. And uh, there's a lot of, like, suspense there. But when it comes down to it, this is really a movie that's kind of just this really touching, really cool coming-of-age story with this group of kids. And uh, you had, like, such a good cast at the time. You had, like... Like, who was in it? It was, like... Uh, Will Wheaton, Jerry O'Connell. Uh, I need to pull this up because I can't remember. Will what Wheaton, Jerry one. O'Connell, River Phoenix, uh, Corey Feldman. Those, yeah, are, the, those I, are the four kids. Yeah, I, I couldn't remember if Corey Feldman was in it or not. But you have, like, just and then, these, um, names. And uh, then uh, Jack Bauer. Uh, shoot. Sutherland. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, you just have these kids who is kind of before, like, they were these huge Hollywood names, but they went on to be these massive celebrities. And uh, it's just, it's hard to do justice when describing this movie because it's just such an engrossing, just really good coming-of-age story. And it's one of those movies that, I don't know if kids today can relate to it, but when I was a kid, we were always outside. We were always running around. We were always kind of without adult supervision and going on crazy adventures and coming up with crazy crap to do. And this movie shows that so well, but it also shows the heart of uh, when you used to have those friendships as a kid. And that's what I love about it. Um, Drew, what are your thoughts on this? I I feel like I gave a bit of a vague review there, but uh, no, this
0: is probably, and we've talked about this movie before, but this is probably one of the best coming of age movies there is absolutely um and it's literally just four boys that are like it starts as the dude there's a dead body like it's a rumor that there's a dead body let's go find it but that's that's the macguffin we got to go find the dead body and it yes there's the moment in the movie where they finally find it and they get to see what a dead body looks like in real life but um the the it's the journey of the boys coming together as friends and learning things about each other that they didn't know. Like, you find out the one kid has a piece of shit dad who's been abusing him. And he's going through that and he's using his friends as a crutch and tells them what's going on. You know, and, like, you have these moments like that throughout the film. And, like, it's emotional and it's um, and, and it's timeless in a sense. And that's where I think that some of those bits would really lend to the movie still holding up. Now, I haven't watched it in a while, but I'm willing to bet you because of those moments, the movie holds up because I think this it's you yeah. know, everyone will have someone to relate to in that. Um, there's also the greatest vomit sequence ever, I think, in that movie um,
1: <laughs> I about that
0: where where they're sitting around the campfire and Will Wheaton, he's the storyteller. Like he's probably he's the kid who's clearly going to grow up and be a writer. Right. And they're like, dude, you always have the best stories. Tell us a story. Like, you know, like, we're getting ready to go to sleep, but tell us the story. And they're sitting around the campfire, and he starts telling the story about um, this pie-eating contest at a state fair. And the guy gets sick and throws up, which causes the next guy to throw up, which causes the next guy to throw up. And it's, like, one of the best vomit sequences because it's so over-the-top and just bizarre. And,
1: yeah, it's fantastic. So... I could totally see, like, I haven't read the short story this is based off of, but I could totally see that being one of those, like, Stephen King tangents that he just throws in the story for no reason. And you're just like, what the hell am I reading right now? But this is hilarious. Yeah. Um, the one thing I was going to say is I I think the movie probably holds up really well, too. Uh, my one thought is, like, it's possible it's possible that there's some dialogue or jokes in there that are really non-politically correct by today's standards but you also have to look at this like this is a group of like middle school age boys from like the 50s or whenever this movie takes place and so like they're not gonna be that politically correct <laughs> when they talk to each other and i right. feel like you just have to take that for what it is if you're gonna go for some sort of realism but um the one the one last thing i was going to comment on and this is such a cliche thing to say but it's so true you hear people say sometimes it's not about the destination it's about the friends you make along the way or it's about the journey that they go on and i i feel like this movie is such a good example of that because yes the kids are trying to get to the dead body and they're traveling and they go through all these crazy um Hijinks and trials and stuff And when they finally get there When the movie finally gets there It's like the dead body didn't Doesn't matter at all Because of the journey they all went on And because of the way they bonded And got to know each other And uh, the coming of age aspects And I think it's weird When they finally get to the body You're almost like disappointed Because you're like well I was just enjoying the journey so much That I don't even care about that anymore And I think this that's one of the strong points of this film uh in my opinion yeah yeah yeah. i'm totally with you
0: um i love this movie um but yeah that's all i got on it though um what's your final pick of the night man
1: yeah so my final pick uh it probably is my favorite movie on the list but this is also the one that inspired the list itself and uh that is the movie scott pilgrim versus the world um or i guess is the movie just called scott pilgrim i get the comic and movie mixed up a bit but it is scott pilgrim versus the world there you go um yep yeah you're right so but <laughs> so i guess technically this movie might not count <laughs> but everybody calls it scott pilgrim and scott pilgrim is actually a song by a band called plum tree um this is a very obscure band uh brian leo O'Malley, who's the artist and writer of the scott pilgrim comics um i believe he had I don't know how big of a hand, but I'm sure he had some sort of oversight as far as the storyline of the movie goes as well. But he is a Canadian comic book artist who is into a lot of obscure video games and anime and a lot of obscure music and just a lot of cool stuff. And uh, Plumtree, I think it's a Canadian band. And it's kind of like this, I think they're like a late 90s, just like indie rock band, like all girl indie rock band from the late 90s i could be a little bit off but that's basically what it is and they had a song called scott pilgrim and uh i've listened to the song um like i'm familiar with this movie soundtrack so i've definitely heard it before but while putting my list together i listened to the song and uh my impression is it's just a song that the singer of the band like it's a song about a boy she had a crush on, sort of thing. But it's one of those things where it's one of Brian Lee O'Malley's like favorite songs. So he makes a whole comic book that's uh, named after it, and then it becomes the movie. But uh, this movie's great. We've talked about it so many times. But if you're a fan of fringe uh, indie culture stuff or music or nerd culture, like you've got to see this film it's just like a beautiful blend of hybrid elements when it comes to some of the weird video game stuff they have in it. Like when uh, Scott defeats one of Ramona's boyfriends and he picks up coins after their fight, or when you have him fighting Lucas Lee played by Chris Evans and uh, Lucas Lee does a skateboard trick and there's little like grind bro. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. When you see, (laughs) that was perfectly timed, but when you see like the points from the tricks he's doing come up on the screen, like there's a lot of hybrid element elements, but there's also hybrid elements when it comes to memory bits and dream sequences that bring in um, actual art from the comics um, that has a very cartoony indie sort of style and bringing that and mixing it in with the live action. But uh, no, this, this was a really fun pick. And I, the reason I picked this one was because, well, not the reason. It is one of my favorite movies, and I feel like I'm being a little bit rambly here. But this is one that I think a lot of people don't realize is named after a song. And uh, that's what I think is kind of cool about it. And co- so it's kind of like a secret movie named after a song in that way. So
0: I love this movie. Like yeah. so you said, we've talked about this several times. I love this movie, but I did not know this was named after a song right so there's that like i had no idea it was named after the song um so awesome um yeah and i really don't know what to add to the movie it's exercise for your eyeballs but it like so totally it celebrates nerd culture in like the best way um so yeah um fantastic everyone needs to see scott pilgrim all right um <laughs> next week is my pick and i'm going to give you a tv one all right uh, we haven't done a television one in a while This is going to be a hard one, so you're going to have to do some digging. Um, Something I love about television shows is that when you come back from a season break, um, you have to do that first episode back where it's like, where have my friends have been? So the list is your favorite season openers. You cannot have a pilot. That's the only rule because a pilot's the very first episode of the show. This is like second, third, maybe fourth season. You're coming back. Where have my friends been? Loved the episode. All right, then. Yeah, so I know this is going to be a hard one, but I was like, we haven't done a TV one in a while. What's a cool TV one that we haven't touched on? And I don't care if it's drama, comedy, anything. It doesn't matter. Like. Where have my friends been? We're coming back for the beginning of the season. Check it out. This is what's going on. Because those are usually like episodes that have to hook you for a season too, you know? So,
1: yeah. This is a fun list. I look forward to putting this together. My one question is... It could be
0: all over the place too, so...
1: Yeah, my one question is, can you pick multiple seasons from the same show to make your list? So, like, if you wanted to do Game of
0: Thrones Season 2, Season 3, Season 4, Season (laughs) 5, Season 6, and say that's my entire
1: list, sure. (laughs) I'm not necessarily going to do that, but it makes me curious. Like, it's possible that there might be two from one show that are just too perfect. Yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if we had that happen. Um, But
0: if you did do that, if you did, I would suggest try and rank them. That way we know which one you liked better. (laughs)
1: well that, <laughs> that gets a little weird too when you're like my number five pick is my is the season two of game of thrones opener and then my number four pick is the season five <laughs> for <Game> of Thrones. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> but no i hear what you're saying uh yeah that, that's pretty fun <laughs> um i mean it would be cool to
0: say hey just p- so if you select let's say you use game of thrones as an example maybe just pick one of the season openers but I don't want to do that. Like, you do your list how you want to do your list, and we'll talk yeah. about it next week. Yeah, I hear you. I, so, okay, I hear yeah, you. Okay. But, yeah, we just haven't done a TV one in a while. Thought it'd be cool. So. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. You ready to toss it in the can and call it a night? Right on, yeah. All right. Well, everybody, do us all a favor. Check out our website, topfivereport.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with a link to our email, top at gmail.com. You can interact the show there, social media, either way it works. Um, we are on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, Audible, Amazon. You can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better, and it makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me on uh, personally on Twitter and Instagram at drew Uh Peter,
1: what about you? Yeah, uh, you can follow me on X, where I will be Xing <laughs> <asking> about. <laughs> I did it again! <laughs> I'll be Xing about how I will be spreading the word that after a long day of trying to calm your alter ego's dark and cannibalistic thoughts, it's nice to just sit back and crack open your copy of Chicken Soup for the Symbiote. <laughs> Man, that's been sitting there on, like, that's been sitting there, too.
0: Good, Paul. All right. Um, All right, everybody. Um, For the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next
1: week.